Welcome into the Lakeland Sports Guys with Chris and Tom. I'm Tom Carroll. It's Chris Cox. we got Stan Spivey, the coach, in the house with us, coming to you from Howard's on Main in Uptown Greenwood on this Monday, the ninth or the 25th day of the ninth month of 2023. And uh, it's last week of the month, as a matter of fact. It's hard to believe that September has flown by this quickly, but it has been loaded with lots of football. we got more of that to talk about, some great college games, guys, that took place. Um, you know, we <laughs> we, we got to talk about it, too, somewhere in here we'll get into Colorado and and what Dan Lanning had to say in his pregame speech because I thought it was classic uh, all the way around. Now there's a lot of people taking exception to it, but we'll dive into that a little bit uh, in the process of what we talk about in Lakelands and also the state of South Carolina. Some great high school games. Uh, we had the week off thanks to the bye week for uh, the Eagles and uh, got to hear some of the other things that went on, some of the other games that went on. I thought Emerald were going to pull one out. They ended up uh, in a tight one with Crescent. Uh, in that one and then Abbeville had the week off as well but uh, the game of the week definitely was Dixie and Ware Shoals and we'll dive into that coming up here guys in just a little bit as well and we had a huge um, cross country meet that took place over at Emerald uh, actually took place at Connie Mack where Emerald has their uh, cross country meets and they had I think 27 teams mm. that ended up taking place down there over 360 some on athletes I was going to say that, so that's a pile of people that's a lot of people <laughs> Do they block you in staying because I know you live right I was out on the coast. You, you were, you were I lucky got, because I got out of town. <laughs> your road right there is one of the main roads that it runs down to come back around to Emerald. So. It dives right into it. Yep. It does uh, in that regard. So we'll we'll take a look at that. Um, and we had all kinds of folks that ended up taking part, all the high schools here in town, uh, including Cambridge and Dixie. And um, I think you had Lawrence involved in it, uh, Emerald, Cormick. I mean, everybody from around here. Abbeville was in there as well. Clyde so. might have even been over there. Yeah, Clyde running cross country me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I feel you there. I used to run track when Coach Ware was there. Uh-huh. Everybody knows Coach Allen Ware now. Come on. Yeah, Allen Ware was a good player. He's supposed to be, Clyde, you're supposed to be at the front, man. Dion comes in and I got a chair for him. Yeah, he, Chris wants his receipts. I want my receipt from <laughs> Deion Sanders right here. He's about to be coming. We'll see what Take the door. We'll what see. About, what about Miami Dolphins yesterday? Uh, the Dolphins and the 50-point loss, yes, that was huge. <laughs> so, I, when was the last – can you remember the last time a, an NFL team lost by more than – by 50 points? That was By it. more than 30. Uh, that was that, it. I can't, I can't even go back to my childhood and remember a beat down like that. It's 12 records yesterday alone. So, it's combined offense, is touchdowns. It, I mean, it's everything. Every stat that Miami had yesterday, they broke everything. So, they own it now. So, I got to admit it, that's a, that's a full of mine in the AFC East. But let's get back. Let's talk All right, about let's this. get back to work. Let's yeah. go to high school or wherever you want to go. <laughs> All right, we're going to start with the colleges because that's uh, well, that's where everything is. We'll start with the locals here up in due west. Uh, Erskine ended up having their first home game of the season, taking on the Newberry Wolves, who went eight overtimes the previous week. And uh, we thought they might come in a little bit tired, not sure if they will or they won't. But um, they came in, and they came in ready to play. The Wolves end up with a big win over the Flying Fleet, 24-17. to 17. This game in the second half, really, uh, I thought that the Fleet did a good job in, in not only being able to, to mount some drives and get some positive drives, but also they had a running game. They established a little bit of a running game in the process of all this. But, I mean, it's one of those games, Tom. We've been asking, you know, Coach, when are we going, you know, they finally established a little bit of a running game, defense is playing well, keeping, you know, 
ponder on up straight, not on his butt. Uh, and, and like I said, we thought Newberry would come in tired, Stan. We knew it. Uh, like I said, uh, how, what's the longest game you've ever been a coach of in soccer? For instance, with eight oh, overtimes, oh, what oh. would it be? Well, the year Brian <laughs> and him end up state championship game, we played the 90 minutes. We played two 15-minute overtimes. <laughs> then we went to the <clears throat> two five-minute sudden deaths. We finished all that and ended up in PKs, and that's as long as you can go. You can't go any further. No. <laughs> that's longer than that game. <laughs> but anyway, eight game. overtimes was tough on them, but – I mean, we joked about it the other week. There are no moral victories, and sooner or later, but you have to have a moral victory, Tom, that's going to take you to an actual victory. So, all in all, boys are not saying, hey, we should have won that game. He's saying, let's, let's continue to strive. Let's, let's do what we, we got to do. Right. Run the ball, as Stan says. Defense, keep us in the game. I told you what was ironic for me is I went to Newberry. I didn't see a score. I went to Erskine. I didn't see a score. So Sunday morning, I'm just strolling through, and I find you some stuff on swimming in the Charleston paper, and right there in the sports, right there on the Charleston paper, for some reason, no high school, no Carolina, no Clemson. It was Newberry beats. What I mean, Erskine of all, <laughs> just right there in the middle of that paper, Newberry beats Erskine. I'm like, he's one of them's got to be an alumni down here or something to get something in the Charleston paper. Big. But but what I meant to mention with the rushing, they had 33 rushes for almost 200 yards, 198 yards total in that regard. Uh, Passing-wise, um, they only had six passes for 15 yards, but Newberry didn't do much better. They had seven passes for 71 in the process of all that. So this was really a running game for both teams in this one, and, and hence probably part of the reason it ended as early as it did. Uh, it was a 6 o'clock start. It was over by 8.30. Um, 8.45-ish kind of, I guess, is where, where I looked at the final clock. But, I mean, you know, I think this is an improvement that they need to build upon, that they can build upon, and it will eventually, I think, develop wins, if not next week in a couple of weeks as well. Well, it was a one-score loss. That's the way you look at it. 24-17, you've established the fact that you can run the ball. So that's going to take some pressure off your quarterback and off your wide receivers. So now maybe we can kind of start opening up the playbook just a little bit more, throw the ball for more than six times, Mm -hmm. um, and that'll help down the road. And I think running the ball is going to be the key. If he can continue to have success running the ball, It'll open up the rest of the offense. Yeah, Pender rushed the ball six times for 40 yards. You had Hill had three rushes for 35. Lucky had 12 for 47. He was the majority of the ball carrier. But then Samuel impressed everybody. Nine rushes, 69 yards to go along with it, almost 7.7 every time he touched the ball. And the only rushing touchdown was by Lucky. Everything else uh, for them came through the air of a field goal. Yep. Well, they, they, you kind of, when you play a team like Erskine, you know, you, you're going to. Ponder's a guy or Pender is a guy you're going to focus on because you know he can run off the road. And they made the determination they were going. it was going to be he and a, a cast of running backs. And, and like I said, there are no more victories, but that's one, and that's when it can lead you to the actual wins in a couple of weeks. I don't know their schedule at all, but um, like I said, for a home game, it's not a home game. I mean, I, I still would love to see what's happened, what happened in Due West with these things going on, um, with them actually having their own feelings. And they're getting that way, but um, – I, what was? Did you see an attendance? That's what I always look for also, an attendance in a game. I could never find that in the Charleston paper. I'm a, I will write that up about that. He should know how many people were at Greenwood at, at the dang game. <laughs> but um, anyway, all in all, I'm sure Greenwood showed out. I know Duess showed out. Um, 
And like I said, it's a good. It's it, it's not a wind stand, but it's good enough to where you know we're closing in. It, it, it's a positive, and it takes it kind of takes coach maybe off of a, what a, 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 a hot seat if you want to call it that. I mean, because I mean they're grumblings, and you know when they're grumblings, there's a little bit of truth to it. But um, anyway, he's got his show tonight, also, does he not? He does seven okay. o'clock tonight. It comes on, um, but I also want to give props out to Erskine's defensive back and Jameis McClurkin. He had eight solo tackles, six assistant tackles for a total of fourteen to go along with that, um, and then he turned over on offense and he had three receptions for sixteen yards. Um, you know, his longest was twelve in that regard. But I mean, still, he ended up one of those players that ended up playing both ways for Coach Boyd and, and did a fantastic job. I think, all in all, he would have been my player in the game. In the oh, game. no doubt. Oh, I mean, no anytime you got yeah. somebody doing that, I mean, we would almost put him as our player of the week here. I mean, we had a couple good performances around the area, but that's solid, and that's that's what it takes. It takes defense showing offense, and you know, like I said, they'll start playing off each other. I mean, it's, they're still a relatively New football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're only talking, what, five years in, four years in? Now? Four years in. So, I mean, give it time. Stay the course. Let's see. All right, uh, let's talk about the boys in orange up there and them their hills, as you like to call it, the Clemson <laughs> Tigers. Uh, Davo Sweeney, uh, very unfamiliar territory that he is walking into. 0-2 in conference play, 2-2 overall as of right now. Uh, this is the first time you start 0-2 in the ACC since 2010. Um, in regards to that. And, and, you know, after 2010, they rattled off, what, uh, 12 seasons in which they had eight ACC uh, titles Titles. to go on top of that. Um, So, you know, this being a rebuilding year is – history due to repeat itself, I guess, the hopes of a lot of Clemson fans, including myself. Well, I don't – I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, You know, and it's not just – as far as Clemson go, it's as far as Alabama, any any school that that's had these, what we call like called dynasties, I think those are are gone now. And it's the only thing is the portal, and you're gonna have flash in the pan one year teams, and you know, and that might be Florida State this year. Could Florida be. State's a, a a pretty good team. We'll admit that, but we'll also say. Clemson should have won the ball game Saturday, but <laughs> it came down know, to what we said. It we came didn't down to what we said. We hope wouldn't happen that you have to try it out a, a walk on. That of course he was on the team last year for three. He's been on the team for three years, and but he shows up Monday at practice, and and now you're trotting him out late in the ball game with a chance to win the ball game with a 29 yard. He done hit a 30. So the first time he went out, oh, everybody's happy. Let's clap. You know, mom and daddy sitting up there in the box, they happy. Um, they yeah, on. they did show pressure, them, yeah. pressure. Yeah, but there's, on, there's, and know. there was a lot of things that went right. But and you said it best. You yeah. said you, it may think it came down to coaching because there were some yeah. questionable play calls oh, at yeah. the end of the first half. Time management it was awful. Awful. Terrible. Um, in that regard. But the wide receivers were, were making the plays. They were able to take the top off on Florida yeah. State, which yep. a lot of people well, had been questioning. Um, well, the Clemson they didn't even it? have the ability yeah. to do it. And uh, I think the offensive line played well. The defensive line, well, the whole defensive staff, I mean, they held Florida State to what was it, Chris, like 20-something yards rushing. Yeah, rushing. So they won that battle. You know, uh, they, Clemson won a lot of battles, but they lost the war. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that's what counts. I mean, and I, and we all understand this is a three phase game: offense, defense, and special teams. 
Offense played well enough to win it. Defense and you should have won it played, in regulation. You know, I'll give the defense a higher grade than I will to offense, but uh, special teams, coaches, he, y'all got to get this thing straightened out. Yeah, and it all came down to that one play, and that was the scoop and score. Yeah, that, that was the game. The, that was the game, yeah. Mm-hmm. The I difference mean, in it. You look, but, at, your, look but, at it. You had almost 500 yards offense from a Clemson team against yeah. – and I've already said – I, I've yet to be impressed by Florida State. They got three or four of my Gamecocks for one, and that still makes me mad. But, I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> Bell didn't do a whole lot to hurt you because he's, he's he's got a little nagging injury and stuff like that. But this is a game you should have won. I will tell Clemson fans, being a Gamecock, I, I'm a delusional Gamecock, so I still think we can every, we can go independent every year, and that's not going to ever happen. But um, your performance Saturday in a loss was a lot better than your first game against Duke in a loss. Yeah. A lot better. I don't – I told you I didn't get a chance to see the end of the game, but I've heard, you know, we hear everything. Mm-hmm. When when we do what we do, yeah. we hear everything. And I heard that they played for the field goal. Is that true? To basically win the game with well, the field goal? So they played two downs where they well, didn't run a play just to set up the kick? I think it was – and that's what we talked about <laughs> before we went on the air. Uh, the first half, this was – and I don't – it's starting to be – Every game, it seems like, a, a tale of two halves. Clemson came out the first half. They played to win the ball game. With the they exception of the last minute to win and 20 the seconds. ball game. And then we have all this crazy stuff at the <laughs> end of the half, and everybody's shaking heads, and then you come out, and the second half, you're playing not to lose the game. And, and to you, all of a sudden now, okay, we got a fourth down from, you know, inside the 20. We're, gonna, we're just going to put up a – we're going to hit this field goal from the middle of the field, and, and the game's going to be over. And it would have been. And it was close. <laughs> if that had been a high school goal post, it had been three. But these were colleges. And, so, and that's the one thing we hoped would not happen. We, You don't want to put the loss on one kid. And he didn't lose that ball game. Mm-hmm. The coaches have lost that ball game. The, the coaches lost it with, with being conservative on the defensive side. You know, why are, we go, why are we going to a prevent defense? And why are we and, only rushing three? That, yeah, that, that, that and don't you're run. not getting pressure on him. Uh, what, you know, and then offensive play calls, there were a few that were questionable. And I will give it to the receivers. The receivers made some tough catches and, and held on to the ball, and Klubnik delivered some passes. And all now, that without Antonio one, Williams, too. Yeah. That was – Brown was the guy. The, the, Brown last, went, you know. the last pass it, right there in overtime, uh, it was a little high and behind the guy. So did the guy run the wrong route? Mm-hmm. Did Klubnik put the ball where it was supposed to be, and the guy was just, for whatever reason, he cut his route and didn't go as deep or – you know, it was thrown I, way behind. Was, it, yeah, so, it was. Yeah. So was he supposed to be going out and he cut in? I don't know, but you know, you can't really unless we need a play call. We can't say that was Clubman's fault. And I don't, I don't want to put that on the kid. I thought he played a pretty decent ball game. Before you play, so, I, got, I got a question for Dad. Before you play him here, <laughs> uh, I just want to ask a scenario because he, the, you coach women, I've coached basketball and football. You're a soccer guy, okay. For for as much as Dabo, I'm not gonna use hate him and him and Paul BK. What's his name? Potter. Yeah. Did not like. Let's just say that because he he just come on after he's left Clemson and says, "Well, I don't respect my club." Anyway, that's 
irrelevant. The Lifetime movie channel was ready for the for the hit. It may be one because yeah. he did get a field goal. He hit it. Yeah. He missed the one to win it. That would have been a Lifetime movie. I've already written the script, by the way, so <laughs> it'll be Lakeland Sports. <laughs> but my question with Dabo would be if he, if he was a backup to Potter and hadn't played in several years. He only hadn't played in a year. So. I mean, well, a year. You're right, but I mean, he still was a backup. He's not mm-hmm. a starting kicker that played at Clemson last. You know, last year he was a backup. I think they said he had never tried a field goal in game action. Yeah, that was what he. That's what they did say. Game action was always. Poor. You are right because I did hear that, and that's yeah. where I'm coming with the point. As bad as this gun kid is, is that his last name? What's his name? Gun the mm-hmm. kicker. Yeah, he can't be that bad. He's a freshman, too. He's a freshman. I mean, because another thing is, he's got the leg. I keep hearing about the leg that this kid's got. That means he's going to kick low anyway. So, if, if a couple get blocked early in games, I mean, that's expected. If he's a long Particularly field. if it's a as long Yeah, if it's a long kick. Um, that's my only thing with that is I, I don't – I don't think that it's – you're right. It ain't, it's not the kicker's fault. He's coming back, I hope, this week. And who knows? He, hit, he may hit the game winner this week. And, but if you take care of business and you win the game and you don't leave it to the kicker – you know my philosophy. Don't ever leave it to us little <laughs> dagmane kickers because we, we, we inconsistent. We mental cases, bro. I'm telling you. So, don't ever leave it to a kicker. So, Dabble's going to tell you they should have just gone out and won the game, shut it down early and been done with. Nothing's really changed since last night. Just – uh, brutally, brutally painful to, to watch it all over again. Um, you know, just, uh, so many opportunities to win the game, you know, uh, our players and, and coaches absolutely laid it on the line. And, and, um, you know, we did a lot of things again that indicate winning uh, we outgained them a hundred plus yards. I thought we were incredibly physical, uh, outrushed them 146 yards to 22. That probably won't happen again all year that somebody holds them to 22 yards rushing. I think they had one in the second half. And, um, you know, more first downs, never trailed in regulation. So many good things. I mean, we just literally needed one more play on offense, defense, or or kicking game uh, to have won the game. And uh, so it's certainly um, incredibly painful uh, to watch it. Again, I thought our guys just – just played their tails off and uh, defensively played tough, played physical. It's probably as good a second half of defense as I've seen in a long time, you know, to hold that bunch to, to three points in the second half and one yard rushing, you know, they, they dominated the second half against LSU and just really proud of our guys, you know, 1.1 a carry and we did a great job of third and fourth down. They were five of 15 and, and uh, we got after the quarterback. So <clears throat> we did a lot of things uh, just, you know, did, you know, had a few critical errors. Obviously the, the, uh, you know, the first half, they did get two touchdowns and we need to, we need to make one of those a field goal. We had a bust on a coverage on third and long and we jumped the screen as opposed to just, you know, have a little more discipline right there. And, and then, um, you know, the two minute drive up 17 to seven was a critical, critical situation. Uh, we had a busted call there as well. Um, and then, um, you know, but man, outside of that, they really, they really did a lot of great things, and I'm super proud of them uh, for that, um, and uh, how they played and gave us a chance to win. And then offensively, um, same thing. So many good things. Uh, outgained them 100 plus yard. Outrushed them 429 total yards. Cade had his best game. Just continues to get better. Our receivers, tight ends, and backs all made plays. Our protection was really good from our OL. 
well, did not give up a sack. Um, you know, we had three starters out in Parks and, and Cole and Antonio and, and uh, just a lot of good things. Um, you know, biggest disappointment was obviously the, you know, you feel like you're going up, about to go up 31 to 14 or 27 to 17, uh, 31, 17 or 27 to 17. And, you know, we get the big sack TD. Um, and that's kind of been the story of our two losses. It's just, it's not just, it's not just getting a turnover. It's, it's points off turnovers. I mean, it's just, I've never really been a part of anything like it, um, you know, but, you know, it's painful. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, everybody laid it on the line and, and a lot of good things we can build on. Um, and again, never really been a part of a turnover situation like this, but I, I, I do know that, you know, that worm will turn, you know, we've had a lot of turnovers, uh, here and there, but not that are, you know, 71 yard scoop scores, pick six has just been a really, really crazy situation for us. And that's why we're two and two. I mean, I, I know that simplifies it, but it's really that simple. I mean, we're two and two. Uh, because it's all about the ball and um, you know so but we can't let the scoreboard uh, you know make us lose sight of of uh, the good things we are doing and certainly you know the fact that our players absolutely played their hearts out I mean absolutely and uh, you know so uh, tough tough uh, you know game uh, for sure to bounce back from but our guys will do that man for sure you know it's because I know these guys are in our staff I mean they're made of the right things and you know, it's um, we'll, we'll we'll bounce back because we've got a bunch of bunch of good people here. And injury wise, uh, we we actually came through pretty good. We actually got best case scenario uh, with Nate, which was you know, certainly a shot in the arm for us to to get that news. Um, and uh, you know, I think everybody else. Uh, you guys talked about Walker uh, yesterday, but everybody else looks to be. Uh, you know, we got some guys. You know, getting some normal treatment type stuff. Uh, so very encouraged uh, with the news that we got. All right, so I think you have Dabble Sweeney, his Sunday press conference last night uh, that he had with everybody. And, um, yeah, the, the Clemson fans right now feeling the same kind of pain reliving that game over and over again and what could have been uh, in the process of all of that. But, um, you know, when it comes down to it, he, he did make a good point. The reason we're, we're two and two as of right now is basically because of, of two turnovers. Well, you've got to win a turnover game. Yeah, and I he mean, hasn't won and, that in either of the you losses. Watch, you watch any game, and usually the team that wins the turnover battle, and it, it, it could be just one. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, you're going to have two or three turnovers in a, a game, and you've got, you've got to win those turnover battles. You've got to get them. And then once you get that done, and then it's the chunk plays. If you can keep the other team from hitting you with big chunk plays, particularly in the last two minute drill, <laughs> yeah, I mean you, you know, and and coach went to it. We had a bust on it on on the, on one of the calls there in the last two minutes. That can't happen. Not when you've got an experienced back, you know, experienced guys in the back. That cannot happen. They should know what their responsibilities are on every call and. Yeah, and that's what I want. The, I hope the national media will look at it. Yeah, Clemson is two and two, but mm-hmm. 
they've improved every game, every and they game. took the number four team down to the to overtime uh, of all things. Yeah. Um, and and that is the standard of Clemson football. Uh, that is there. They're going to be good, and they're going to challenge you. You just got to play better, and that's what ended up happening in overtime. Because Florida State had a better game plan for overtime than we did. Well, Florida State hit hit the big touchdown on the second play of overtime. I mean, the guy makes a four-letter <laughs> network catch of the week and with a Clemson defender all over him. The flag should have been thrown for a P.I., but it would have been – they wouldn't have taken it because the guy caught the ball and it was a touchdown. But You don't uh, give him that catch. I don't care. You know what? I, I took – at the end of the game like that, you, he don't catch that ball. I don't care what you have to do. You do not let him catch that ball. If it's a penalty, it's a penalty. And it does well, set it up. Well, he, and that's he fine. the Clemson guy tried to take him, but I mean the guy just made a one. I mean, I mean it was a great catch. Clemson guy had one arm bent, so he, <laughs> he he had to catch it with one hand, and he was able to do it. So, uh, you know, just it's disappointing me, man. Dabo, I feel your pains, man. I've been a game cop in all my life, but um, and that's what it feels like to lose games that heart wrenching way like that. It doesn't get easier for him. Y'all go to a place that's usually a Friday night game in Dino Babers <laughs> at Syracuse, and I guess they still play in a dome and yeah, that's all of that. Be, that's going to be a, a lot of fun, fun day Saturday at twelve night. o'clock kickoff. Hey, that's Clemson kickoff time. But I mean, don't I mean I'm telling you that loss right there was ten times better than the loss to Duke was, and there are no moral victors. We say that every week, and we look for them. But th- that schedule, I you know, Miami hadn't been tested yet. I don't think Syracuse has been tested yet. This is still a decent football team. Are they a top 20 team right there? No. They dropped out top 30 for the first time in a long time, by the way. Now, I saw that today, and I was like, what? So, I mean, take care of business and practice this week. Let the kicker. He's going to have our extra week stand. But I hope you're also still letting this other guy kick with him. Mm-hmm. Don't just make it about Wurtz or Wetz or whatever his name is and and, and, not, and forget about Gunn and everything. Because you might need him in the end, especially – You're going to need Gunn in the future. A long yeah. field goal. You're going to need him in the future. Um, but like you said, close out the games. Finish them and you don't – I'm telling you, don't leave it to a kicker. I, that's one thing that killed me all, all the years I've been a fan of anything. When you set it up to leave it for a kicker. Them guys are mental cases, man. You can't do it. I know he's a stock trader or whatever you want to call it. But, I mean, it's just it, – it's, if it's up here as a poor quarterback – you know a kicker's going to have it. So the mentality rate is not great as a kicker already. <laughs> so go out, close the game, you know, beat Syracuse, and then come back and just get back on track. You can't win them but one at a time. That's it. You know, 0-2 and, two and <laughs> it could be worse. could be worse. So. All right. Uh, so with that, we move moving right along. Let's go over to the number one team in the nation, the Georgia Bulldogs. They took on – um, a pesky UAB team, can we call them that? I, I guess you could. 49-21 was the final in this one, but um, the score does not reflect how this game actually went. Uh, you know, UAB, I mean, it's a big win for Georgia over Georgia, UAB, uh, yeah. and, and UAB had nothing to lose in all of this. Garson Beck had a career day um, in the process. Uh, Brock Bowers had his first 100-yard receiving game of the season to, to also go along with that. Um but when you look at it, I mean, the defense had to play to a standard because the offense wasn't doing it. And for Georgia, that's ended up what happened. Much like Clemson, they came out on a on the winning side. Well, this was, you know, this just just put this as a win for Georgia. I mean, that, there's no other words to describe it. I mean, it was just a win, and they knew they were going to win the ball game when they stepped on the field. UAB hit them with a couple of. Scores, but 
you know, uh, those guys were just sitting over there. They could have put whatever they wanted to on there. And these are the games you hate to see happen. You know, there, there ought to be something that can be done about it. But uh, Play somebody. Not, but he, I, I say yeah, that about I Jordy mean, every year. But they, they don't want to play anybody, and they're not going to play anybody. And uh, That's why, you know, I'm just not – That's why, you know, when my goatee, you know, I can't have him cupcakes. He gets everywhere. But let's, I, you know what? I am going to spotlight a kid because I think he left um, UNLV, and that's Jacob, Jacob Zeno, who was a quarterback. Um, he's got almost 1,300 yards on the year, eight touchdowns and four picks. I mean, you know, two of them came in the Georgia game. But if you're a Georgia fan, and, I, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to Billy Wade because he is my Georgia guy. But and Billy will tell you this is awful. He, and he will, and that's what I respect <laughs> about him, just like I tell him when we're bad, and, you know, it's usually more times we are than he is. But um, it's even worse, Tom, when you, when, you, when you have national TV and media talking about the schedule you already play. And you start – every game you play, you start out so dag-blame, slow. And you leave a team in it. And then, you know, you get, Georgia's going to have to just start hitting the gas because, I let's see here. I feel pretty sure there's a schedule coming up. The next game may be pretty tough for Georgia. We've picked a look and see who they do play next. I bet you it's not UAB. I bet you it's not Colorado State. It's not – it's going to be somebody in conference. So, we're going to see who it's going to be. But they got to play better from get-go. Um, I was impressed with Gunnar Stockton and Vandergriff. Well, and Gunnar yeah. did have an interception. He did have a pick. Vandergriff had a huge drive. That was the only incompletion. Yeah. So, it was really completion. Right. It was a pick. It was a pick. So, it wasn't incomplete. Somebody <laughs> caught it. Just the other team. <laughs> but Gunnar makes those plays. We did. saw that. We did. How, how does How does this <laughs> – how does this help Georgia going forward, though? That's, that's my that's question my to question. you. And I, it's, I mean, it's like you said, they're starting slow. I mean, you even go back to the South Carolina game and look at what was happening to Georgia at the half. I mean, you can't keep waiting till the second half to start playing because sooner or later somebody's going to smack you in the mouth. They go to Plains next and, week. Uh, they got Auburn. So, we're going to – I don't know if that's the drop, game I was talking about. A drop here uh, – uh, illegal motion penalty here or something with South Carolina, and all of a sudden that guy catches the ball. It's the first down. They drive on down. They put another score on the board. All of a sudden, Georgia's in a ball game. I mean, there were some plays that Carolina did not make. And we're going to say that right off the bat. They did not make them, and they had some penalties and some other stuff, but Georgia cannot keep waiting till the second half. Well, and much like Clemson, they've got problems with their special teams. It's not the kickers, though. It's the return guys. Yeah. They, they were just yeah. bobbling the ball and fumbling it all over, it the all over the place. They say wait on Lab McConkey to get back. But like I said, they go to Plains at Auburn next week. And I watched A&M Auburn. And I, I just, that's just another team that's not very good right now is the Auburn Tigers. I mean, so I don't know what we're going to have happen here. But I was saying the schedule is going to get tougher for them. And then they play Kentucky at home. And then they get Vanderbilt. It's until they play at Florida that they're going – and are they playing anybody and hopefully then? Florida will be decent. A little better, well, yeah. Well, you look at what Florida did to Tennessee in the swamp. Yeah. Now, we got to remember that was in the swamp. If it, Would that game have been different if had it been played at a neutral site or in Knoxville? Right. Well, we'll get a better understanding of what Tennessee's like this weekend when South Carolina goes up there. And, and which team shows and, up. And which team shows up to play. Yeah. Uh, I agree with Chris. The next three games, I mean, the Auburn game, yeah, that's kind of a rivalry game, but it's a game that you feel like Georgia should win. But, uh, Auburn should Georgia have won this week, though. They should have. Uh, you're right. They should have, <laughs> but don't 
don't count Auburn out. I mean, you better be ready to play four quarters. Don't just play two. They're a tough team at home, by the way. I, they're pretty good at home. But like you said, that, you don't play anybody until you do play Florida. And then well, Missouri that, may be that, their next toughest game. This is the, it, are they playing at Georgia's this on the road? They're on the road. They're this, this is the first road game they've had all year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's you, you, that's halfway, you halfway into the season and you just now playing a road game? Come on. <laughs> a legit road game. Let's tell the way it is. I, I don't know, man. It feels like I me and you talking about that. I didn't say that. I mean, they're just, I mean, there's no competition level there and they're lucky. Because this year, if there was competition there, there would be no three-peat. I will tell you right now, it wouldn't be. And it just makes it that much harder <laughs> when they do get – if they do make the playoffs, in which they probably will, uh, you know, can they hang with a team that's been tested? I, I just don't think they can. Uh, yeah, well, I just, I mean, Beck's well, playing well, though. We'll, Let's say we'll, that, we'll learn a lot about Georgia over the next three games. Carson Beck's playing now, better than I now, thought he would. Kentucky is not a great team. Vanderbilt's not a great team. Auburn is not a great team. <laughs> but how many of those are on the road? And these are these are guys that are they're out there to win, too. I mean, Vanderbilt wants to beat Georgia. Mm-hmm. Kentucky wants to beat Georgia. It's not like they're just coming down and picking up a check and going back home. You're going to have to play because these teams will not give up. It's almost like what you want to have it the end of the year yeah that you're setting up where players can rest that are hurt but you're not playing anybody so you're not you're not nobody's at risk of getting hurt i mean you're not giving your first team a lot of action and in pressure situations you know bob brower's not running across the middle taking hits and stuff like that i mean (laughs) i just i i don't i don't know man the way the schedules and all work i wish i wish it would change them every year and if you do win a national championship, they go back and they say, all right, look, we're going to flip two games on you. You can keep your schedule. We're going to flip two games, and we're going to make it to where it's a little more even throughout the season. But <laughs> like I said, Georgia with a big win. Greg, hey, man, keep rolling it like that. But sooner or later, you're going to come up against – I just don't think Auburn's the team either, though. I think they'll probably go to Plains and blow that crowd out. We'll, we'll, we'll find, see. We'll find so, out. We'll, we'll all find I know out. is the Georgia fans were like you guys – Last year and the previous year with Bobo and 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 Muschamp. so I mean that they're they're the ones moaning and groaning yet they're winning for some reason. Y'all gonna have them? They're not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next game: South Carolina going ahead taking on Mississippi State. They end up winning thirty-seven to thirty. Here's what Shane Beamer had to say last night in the Sunday night conference. Looking back at last night, really, really, really uh, fired up about the performance of our team after going back and watching the tape. Um, thought we played uh, really, really physical on both sides of the ball um you know the fact that uh, going into the game you know i was concerned about the negative runs that we were going to potentially have just because of their style of defense they pride themselves on getting teams in second and long situations and we had zero negative runs last night which is uh awesome to do against that team uh defensively you know, when you have nine tackles for loss and four sacks like our defense had last night, uh, that means you play physical and you control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball against a uh, really good uh, front seven on their defense and a really good offensive line on their offense. So could not be more fired up about the physicality we played with um, along both sides of the line of scrimmage. Uh, we played clean football, uh, very few penalties. A uh, couple tough calls that went against us. Uh, offensively, 
very few negative uh, negative things that could beat yourself like we had last week. We had one drop, and I think we had two penalties on uh, on offense. So just a really clean football game. Top a stories. Physical football game. Pause. Uh, going back and watching the tape. I mean, their quarterback played great, obviously. And uh, uh, we certainly helped him in a lot of ways, but he made some big-time throws last night without a doubt. So really defensively, love the way we played. Story of the game defensively was the, the number of explosive passes that we uh, gave up. And, uh, you know, nothing that's any cause to, to panic. There's some technique things that we've got to clean up. There's some assignment things that we got to clean up and confident that we will. Uh, defensively, our player of the game that we decided on as a staff after watching it was Boogie Huntley. Uh, offensively, as a staff, uh, we decided our players of the game were Spencer Rattler, Mario Anderson, and Xavier Leggett. Special teams-wise, it was Mitch Jeter, Brian Thomas, and to carry on Joiner. Our offensive scout team player of the week was Mac Walters. Our special team scout player of the week was Jamie and Risher. And our defensive scout team player of the week was Jaron Willis. Did a really nice job. So told our team today that, you know, uh, we uh, we played physical football. We played clean football. SEC wins are really hard to come by. That's a veteran team with a really good quarterback that we just beat. And, um, you know, we played physical. We got better as the game went on. We dealt with adversity, and we were at our best in the fourth quarter. We made stops. We won the turnover battle. Uh, just got to get the number of explosive passes that we gave up gave up last night cleaned up and get a lot better. Proud of our run game. We did a nice job, offensive line, tight ends, running backs in the run game. We left a lot of yards out there going back and looking at the tape from a run game standpoint, too. So uh, good win. Moving on practice tonight got to get a whole lot better but a uh, good win to build on got to keep keep improving questions so there you have uh, coach shane beamer and his sunday night press conference uh, to the media in that regard and uh, he made up some good points but he's also realistic in knowing that the run game needs to be better it needs to be improved on but that starts most importantly first and foremost with that offensive line so and take it away and it does <laughs> i mean and and this this past week um they set the five Offensive lineman after the Georgia game, they said these are going to be our starting five. Two of them are true, true freshmen, and they saw in it. They put them in in the Georgia game, and they played well enough to earn a starting position. And then, so now you've got that starting five for a solid week, uh, getting all the reps. That way, they're working on their communications. They're seeing things. Um, this Mississippi State team played that. Three-three-five defense, and uh, this is a defense that Spencer Rattler had seen before when he was at Oklahoma, so it was no surprise to him. Uh, the surprise was to the offensive linemen in that with the movement and all that they have, where are the guys going to come from? Uh, they did a good job for the biggest part picking those guys up. Uh, that just being able to get three yards on a run on first down, uh, you know, three yards on second down. You know, we had a lot of third and fives, and we converted a lot of them. So I think the offensive line is still a work in progress, but I was glad to see Mario Anderson get in, uh, running back transfer out of Newberry. 
played well. Yeah, and he, you had all he, been he signed a speedster. Now, we're not going to sit here and say he's a world-class track athlete, uh, but he made a lot of firsts, and this is what Coach Beamer was talking about. Uh, if you go back and watch the film, because I noticed it just in the highlights that I got to see. When he hit the hole, a lot of time, he would make the first guy miss. But there were some shoestring tackles and a few little different things in there that if he runs through it, there's more yardage to be gained. He hit the right hole at the right time and just lowered his shoulder and ran over some people. But there was still yardage to be gotten. But he's not going to be a breakaway 70-yard runner. I mean, he's he's going to be your bulldozer. But we got some cats back there that can scat too, so. Yeah, 26 attempts, 88 yards, and a touchdown. His longest was nine yards. So, I mean, yeah. it was a pounding ground for him. It was. He it never was. he never stopped churning, man. But, like that, you say, second effort off yeah. hits that he got, man, he, he was getting to 5, 10, 12 yards. And that, and that's those yards after contact and uh, a lot like with the receivers. But when you can run the ball against any defense, I don't care who it is, again, that starts slowing – some of the players down and starts their eyes start playing tricks on them and that's when the passing game opens up Rattler having played against this defense he knew where the open spots were going to be and he just had to get it to them and the two long passes to Leggett I mean what can you say the guy's going to be playing on Sunday he is when you can catch a ball and run away from a total defense and I mean, these were not in a matter just, of four steps. Yeah, I mean, and these were not just little twenty-yard passes where he outran people for seventy-five yards and butter. I mean, somebody on that defense has got to be saying, "I can catch him," but no, nobody caught him. Him. <laughs> him. He's so. got. He was the fastest man on the field. Yeah. He is. Well, I think he night. is probably the fastest guy. Um, but if um, I if I just looked at it and saw stats and I just went by it. Ever since Coach Leach passed away, this team's been different. They run the ball. Yep. Coach Arnott runs the ball. He tells you he runs it. But to see, <laughs> look at the stats of Will Rogers. He's got 48 attempts and 487 yards. Yeah. I touched down a pick. He threw deep down the field, but the thing was, Marcellus Dahl and the rest of these guys, they were honed in. They were hungry. Uh, fortune. Uh, Spalding would have picked. We've been waiting on Spalding for four years, and he's finally coming and showing up to the games. I mean, all in all, it's a win-win. It's against an SEC team. That's the key. That's the key. And and one thing that, uh, and I believe I'll be correct in this, Dial only had uh, one target to hit the receiver that he was on. Yeah. For the whole game. That's right. You're, so you're pretty close. So that's the second, third game in a row that nobody wants to throw to him. They're trying fortune out, but. They're starting to find that Fortune's playing about as well as Dial. So you, we might not want to play to him. And then you go over to Spalding, and all of a sudden Spalding's getting picked. So uh, they're getting better. They're getting better back there. And uh, I think Coach alluded to it in his pregame show that uh, for for us to win, for Carolina to win the game, we had to control five and we had to control seven. Seven being running back, five being the – slot receiver wide out that went deep. Um, we had some blown coverages on him. He hurt us uh, a couple of plays, and but we shut and run their run game down too. So yeah, might not, not might not have been what Clemson <laughs> did to Florida State, but we did yeah. hold the one guy in check. So. Well, if, if you're talking about Lettertrick, 
you can say seven receptions for 256 yards yeah. is holding them in check. And, and two of them, and two, uh, and a, yeah, a 65 lot like, was the youngest. A lot, yeah. a lot like Leggett, when you hit when you hit passes that are 50, 60, 75 yards, uh, your yardage can mount up pretty quick, and that's just like with Leggett. I yeah. mean, he had two that was over seven. Five for 189. Yeah. yeah. So you know that's. Uh, but no, they played well, and uh, it, a lot to grow on. Got to go up to Rocky Top this week and play them volunteers, and we all know what happened last time we played them. <laughs> uh, and they do too. Yes. Oh, yeah, and they I, certainly Beamer, do. Beamer's son told him he might ought to wear a helmet on the field this week. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if that happens tonight. You might see him come out there in a, in a garnet hard hat. All right. But, the uh, last team I want to talk about here is is Coastal Carolina, the one that we've all been uh, on top of and been favored for. And boy, did they let us down, thirty to seventeen. The home team has not won in this series. What dating back to six, seventeen, two thousand seventeen, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, so the home team has never won. But you did not expect a thirty to seventeen blowout no. in a whiteout at uh, at Conway of all places to go along with it in Brooks Stadium. Well, I um, can I can I can vouch for the rain that was there, <laughs> and it was before the game, it was during the game, and it was after the game. A short week, but all that. I still – this is the first time in a lot of games that I felt like Coastal just did not come out to play football. They they were not ready. They didn't want to play and for whatever reason. I, I, I can't put my finger on it, but usually this Coastal team doesn't do that. Usually they come out wanting to smack you in the mouth. Now, I'll give it to Georgia State and Sean Elliott. He had those cats ready to play. He had them ready to play, and he was, he was coming to – he was coming to win the ball game. And do you think? Do you think any of it had to do with the fact that Trickett is from Georgia State, and they know him that, that Elliot knows his his schemes really well? Could that have a factor in or not? The game was won by well, Marcus Carroll, the running back. Uh, well, I don't know if it's it's that or not. I think it I think was it was the defensive short. yeah the defensive yeah. coordinator that went over to yeah. Georgia State had a good game plan, and right. that was to yeah. apply pressure any way that he could. Yeah. On Beck and, or McCall, McCall. And, and he did a great job yeah. of of mixing up the coverages and finding yeah. ways. McCall for the first half was running for everywhere. I mean, <laughs> he looked like Spencer Rattler out well, there. The offensive line didn't. That's why I say it was a whole team. It wasn't just one player. It was the whole team. The offensive line looked like they were confused and just not really ready to play. And the defensive line, same way. Defensive backs, same way. I mean. It, something was just off, and I don't know if it was because it was the Thursday night, short week, and then it, it's raining all day Thursday. You can't get outside. You're just kind of laying around. You're getting lazy. And then all of a sudden, the rain kind of quits for a little bit. The field's still wet. You go out, and you warm up. You, you start the first quarter. It starts raining in the second quarter. And you're just saying, I don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about what it looked like to me. The so light, it looked like on the TV light, to me. The, the lights were on at Brooks, but nobody was <laughs> home. To, to have been beat like they were, I yeah. mean, you know, I am the stats guy. And Grayson McCall almost threw for 300 yards in this yeah. game. Yeah. In the rain, being harassed and everything else, much like Spencer does. But like but I said. At the same time, Sam had one right in his hands for a first yeah. down. He drops it. Sam I mean, got his first it, carry it, of the year. Yeah. In the backfield. So that was pretty cool. 
But Carroll won the game for Georgia State. He had 150 yards rushing and a couple touchdowns. So that was your winner. What helped them win that game? Because it was it was a downpour. I mean, yeah. I don't and know how you did anything the outside. Qu- the quarterback and the quarterback for Georgia State was from Conway. He is. Conway, That's right. High, you mm-hmm. know, about five miles down the road. So. Mm-hmm. He had a big crowd in attendance, I feel sure. Now, he did go to Furman to start his career yeah. and then transferred out. So, Well, and I was glad to see uh, on the TV broadcast the entire uh, Conway High School football team came out yeah. to that game to watch the whole yeah. thing. So that was there. How did the Greenwood boys do? Well, Sam Pickney, six receptions for 67 yards. His longest went for 20. Um, but this this for, for Braylon Ryan was a game on. He had two solo tackles. One of those for a uh, tackle for a loss for two yards. He also had three uh, um, assisted tackles. So five tackles altogether plus a forced fumble in the process at the defensive end spot. So that's how Greenwood boys did. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, it is a loss, but I mean, I'm trolling through fun about it. I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a fun year. Oh, yeah. You, <laughs> you got Marshall, you yeah. got James Madison. I mean, yeah. it's, it's going to be a who's who every week, yeah. and they better be ready. And yep. Stan, you're right. They got to find something on to solidify that offensive line. It may be an injury we don't know about well, I, I, on that front four or front seven or whatever we want to call it, but we got to figure out what's going on down there and get it going back. And we know they can win. That's, that's not really ever been a problem for Coastal, but. Interesting to see. I don't even know who they played next. But. They got Georgia Southern. Okay. Georgia Southern. At, at Georgia Statesboro. Southern. Yeah, yep. they Statesboro. Statesboro. Clay Helton from seven, Southern Cal. That would be a fun game. That was yeah. fun last year, remember? It was a fun yeah. one last yeah. year. Yeah, it was. But right. just because they lost this one, doesn't, the, it's not know. all gloom and doom down there. Let's just get back to playing coastal ball, guys. It was Thursday, but I saw it because the sun will <laughs> yeah. come out. Yeah. <laughs> It'll make its way there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so that leads us uh, – to a fun segment that we like to call Who Earned the Money? B-Red. He went to the money. Hey, look, man. He sat through that game, by the way, guys. I had to say, he, he comes in late because he don't want to podcast with me, but give me your expectation. Come here, B-Red. Give me your expectation. You should have won the game. You didn't. How you feel today? Okay. He's, he's improving. That's it. And I think that's the key. Yeah. There is improvement. Yep. Just keep the faith. There you go. Yep. Keep the faith. <laughs> and and as far as Clemson goes, we'll we'll give the money to the wide receivers. They they earn their money. <laughs> Y'all boys earned it. Sam gave it to you. <laughs> the, the, the defensive lineman, the defense won it. I mean, when you can hold uh, any Power Five school to only twenty yards rushing, yeah, you earned your money. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Klubnik, if it hadn't have been for the fumble, that really changed the game. But I'll have to give that to the money to the Florida State guy that came untouched. I don't know who was supposed to pick him up. Somebody in that, <laughs> that class. That was four. <laughs> so was that um, was Shipley supposed Deloach. to pick him up or was Deloach, a yeah. guard or somebody supposed to pick him up? We're not going to give him that money. But uh, uh, the kid hit him with hit, put his ball right on the helmet. There was nothing Clubman could do about that ball coming out. That's perfect hit, uh, man. That's, that's how you talk. I was disappointed in the number of orange jerseys I saw chasing the guy in the white jersey. Though. There wasn't any orange that. jersey anywhere around know, anymore. They, they, they were about five <laughs> of the white guys, though. They, the, the white jerseys, had, they had a convoy going down through there. But uh, anyway, and then, you know, you look at Coastal. I'm not, you know, even though Grayson had almost 300 yards, I it, they just didn't earn the money because they didn't come out ready to play. If they had come out and played the way they are capable of playing, 
it would not have been a 37-team ball game. You get over to the South Carolina side, I'm giving Rattler the money. I mean, he was 18 for 20. One of them should have been a pass interference, and Trey Knox should have caught double on that. He's standing there wide open, and it hit him right in the hands. Uh, I'd like to give Mario Anderson some, some money because he ran the ball with no negative plays in the rush game. And, uh, you know, give him the money. Yeah, uh, yeah Leggett earned every, every bit, bit every penny, penny every we single might cent. Have to, we might have to get him a raise. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're working on that. You don't have to worry about yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, I, I almost said, look, I agree with y'all. I've never been a Spencer guy. He played a heck of a game, almost flawless. But I'm going to tell you something. Again, when we talk in AL, we're talking I, and there ain't no I in team. Offensive line, y'all boys are stepping up. Yeah. And I, only when you step up is this team going to win. So, and, and they continue And they to come improve. in and do it. And yeah. like I said, Anderson might get to ride in the Mercedes this week. Yep. With Rattle, <laughs> with the window down. Yeah. So, I mean, X-Man's going to do his well, thing. Well, and the offensive I mean, lineman might be getting some more gift cards because Spencer had time to sit back there and throw the ball. And they need more than that because Hall's Chop House is pretty high, by the way. <laughs> Good, great food, but it's pretty high. So, I'll leave you, hey, I'll leave you get a game, guys. Yeah. But like I said, I'll there get the go. money when they win the games. But when you lose, I don't even want to talk about it. Like Coast, <laughs> you can't get the money if you don't win. <laughs> so you don't get the money. And Jordan Stratham, I've been waiting on how you say his name, Jordan Stratham or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, two sacks in the game. I mean, I think six tackles overall. DQ Smith, yeah. Yeah. Debo. Uh, I want to say Debo Williams. 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 These guys are hungry. Tonka Hemingway. Yeah. Tonka. Tonka. We were waiting on Tonka for a while. Yeah, we've been. So we might have gave Tonka. him gas money back to Conway to get well, home to see his mama. But I mean, this was a team effort. Yeah. And that's what Beamer said, and that's what yeah. Dow Ligon said. So, hey, we're finally talking team and not yeah. I. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. Exciting to see. All right, yeah. and that is our segment, Did They Earn Their Money? With the, the coach, Dan Spivey. I love the music, by the way. With that. Keep all it rolling. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're in Howard's on Main and Uptown Greenwood. We invite you to come on by. Daily lunch specials Monday through Friday. Great breakfast foods to go along with it. And best of all, the homemade cooking uh, that they have <laughs> is fantastic, along with the live music on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights that they have here on this very stage to go along with all that. So we invite you to come on by. They're a good sponsor of the Greenwood Eagles uh, football broadcast. So we invite you to tune in to those guys on Friday nights as well. But uh, first and foremost, you need to come by and see Howard and his staff because they do a bang-up job of not only with the food and the entertainment, but also with the hospitality that they have here. I walked up front, and what you'd love to see is that I walked up front, and Barry who's one of the cooks here. He's got a book out, and he's looking at foods. that He, he said, this would be good tailgate food. This would be good food for on Saturdays here. They're always looking to expand. Mm-hmm. It's never it's never one thing. Now, Thursday is twice-baked, but I got a story about, won't change. I got a story about <laughs> twice-baked about Buford. They don't, Howard is going to show them what to do because I had a twice-baked that all it was was cooked really hard. And they threw some cheese on top. <laughs> never scooped it out, never did anything, but yet advertised it as twice baked. So. Don't you have to bake it twice? I well, mean, no, that, that means it was a baked potato the day before. <laughs> yeah. And when they came in that morning, they just cut <laughs> it in it. half and <laughs> threw a little cheese on it. They never did anything else. Right. again to heat it up. Yeah, I got you. So, All right. <laughs> twice baked at Howard's on me. And Corley's, by the way. All right. Glad to have you here. Um, before we get into high school, I want to make mention, because uh, everybody's been talking about it, so let's go ahead and mention it as well. But congrats to the Oregon Ducks uh, for coming in and – um, basically showing what Colorado really is, who they really are, in my opinion. And that is um, kind of a flash in the pants as of right now. Now, I'm not taking anything away from what 
Neon Dion is doing out there, and I know he hates that, but that's kind of what it is. It's, hey, look at me. I'm big. I'm bright. Our football team is big and bright. But we had been saying it all along, the first three games, that they haven't played anybody. You know, yeah, TCU was in the championship game last year, but they lost a ton of people, including their offensive coordinator, to go along with it. Uh, Colorado State really, I mean, they haven't been anybody in the past yet. You, you almost lost that game in the process of all of that. Um, this, you know, it's it's been all about the lights. And then when Dan Lanning came out in his pre, and I don't, I don't know if he planned it or not, but he allowed ESPN in. To the pregame conference that they had, um, and the and the you know they're in it for clicks, we're in it for wins. Speech, as people are calling it as of right now, has a lot of truth to it, um, because you know it is about name, image, and likeness with Dion. And I'm not just talking about you know Dion. I'm talking about the Sanders in general. The only one is Shiloh is the only one that has been kind of out of the spotlight uh, in that regard. But he's he's still making you know a point to to put his name in there. Uh, and that's what you're seeing. You know, you're seeing the flash and all of this neat and glittery stuff, yet we never really looked at what this football team is all about. And I think Oregon came out and said, hey, this is who Colorado really is. I know a lot of people around here, a couple of coaches on the Greenwood coaching staff that have made their way to Boulder and they really have jumped off my, our game, caught bandwagons and jumped to it. Sorry, Coach Carter. I'm going to call you out on this one. But Coach Carter's one of them, and he's a big Dion. I, like I said from the get-go, if you're a Dion fan, if you loved him growing up, you're going to love Colorado football. Now, you, you made a statement a minute ago, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk on this one for a minute, about that Dion and the team felt disrespect by what they said. Dion, that's what everybody else in college football has felt this year with the me mentality, my kids' mentality. We're the greatest. We're, we're the fastest. We're the quickest. We're the strongest. The EST mentality. That's a wrestling term, by the way. So, Bianca Belair, I stole it from you. Um that's what we heard day in, day out. And, and we said going in, this was the game to look for. Dion got out flashed twice because them suits, them uniforms for Oregon were hot. Now, y'all didn't like them. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> There's about a thousand combinations that you can wear. And I got T-shirts and hats and everything to do it. I didn't want to, you know, scare people today with the lights on. But um, this is a game that could have got ugly really early. It got ugly early. What was it at halftime, 42-nothing? 35-nothing. Okay, so 35-nothing. So Dan Lenny goes into halftime and he's – Says a better, he's not done yet. He, no, he's a better <laughs> man than me because I'm telling you, after hearing all this facade and stuff about what this team's going to do this year, and they may – I think they make a bowl game, but they oh, can't yeah. make a bowl game without Travis Hunter. Right. And that was a bad – that was a cheap hit that threw yeah. the kid out of the game. Yeah. Shallow's playing his butt off. Shador's playing his butt off. Weaver's the kid that impressed him but did nothing against that Oregon defense at running the ball. I mean, this – and it doesn't get any easier for Dion. And, I mean, yeah, you're at home, but here comes Lincoln Riley and the Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams and the rest of that Southern – I mean, that team. And it doesn't get easier. And if Travis Hunter can't play in that game – it's another loss. I mean, Pac-12 football, for as much as we've joked about it for 10 years, when it goes out this year, it's going to go out with a bang because they may have a national championship on that team, on that, on that last banner that they put up in their office and wherever it is in, out west in California. But yeah, and that's, that's, you, you mentioned Travis uh, Hunter and what he's been able to do is, is playing both sides of the ball. Um, to me, that's unfair to that kid as to not only his NFL potential and where he's going to end up playing, but you know also to him. And, and part of the reason why he's going to get hurt is playing both ways. I mean, he is way more better as a defensive back than he is as a wide receiver. 
yet he needs him as a wide receiver. Are you going to ask Shiloh to play both ways? Are you yeah, going to ask anybody? Are you going <laughs> to you know? I I don't think I don't think that's going to be. I think it's unfair to Travis uh, in that regard that Dion's got him playing both ways. Like I said, I, we joked about it last week. And B-Rez right there. So I mean, this is a chance that I do think Colorado makes a bowl. I think they're yeah. maybe six and six. B-Rez, I said last week I thought it might be Carolina at six and six to play. Col- I mean USC. Any chances, Clemson? Are you you going to improve enough to where you're not six and six and playing Colorado? There you go. They're not playing prime. Now that man gonna, just said they are not playing. You're prime. waiting for Alabama and like the, <laughs> the the music bowl or something of that nature. <laughs> and I mean, like I said, if you grow, B. Rad, he's younger than him, so he may have been a huge Dion fan growing up. But even when Dion was playing, it was about me, and that wasn't the Falcons, the Cowboys, Florida State. It was always my prime, prime time, prime time. So Clyde's still at the door waiting on him. I get, he's bringing my receipt. I got the cash money right here, and he hadn't showed up yet. But All right. he may come this week. <laughs> Point made. We uh, there's our our take on Colorado for you, those of you that ended up texting us uh, and messaging us about <laughs> why we aren't much. So we we brought it up. I like it. I go along with it. Hey, we had a big cross country meet, the Lakeland's Invitational 2023. That ended up happening over at Connie Mack, um, and this this was a huge one when you look at it. Congratulations. Um, to some folks that that really, in my opinion, did fantastic jobs. You look at the ladies' side, uh, Dixie ended up second right behind Stratford, who won the whole thing. Uh, Greenwood Christian was sixth overall in the ladies' uh, competition. And then Greenwood ended up 14th. Um, Let me look down here and see. Abbeville was 19th, 96 was 20th, Emerald was 21st, Cambridge was 22nd. Um, in the Invitational. And then on the guys' side, um, let me go down here and see. Greenwood was 11th overall, whereas Lexington ended up winning this whole thing on the boys' side. Lawrence was 14th. You had Greenwood Christian 18th. Dixie was 21st. Emerald 24th. Wearshoals 25th. And Cambridge came in at 27th. So 27 teams competing in this, uh, and that's where everybody ended up finishing. But um, we had some great runs. Uh, there's all if you go to emeraldathletics.com and, and just kind of you know, scroll down to the uh, Lakeland's Invitational, they've got a little link down there that you can click on, and you can see all the great uh, runs that people had, including you know uh, Charlie Finnell for Greenwood High had a, a huge night uh, or a huge morning, I should say, to go along with that. I think it was 1923. Um, or 1623 or something of that nature that he ended up running. It was a phenomenal run. That's right in there. Ended up 13th. Uh, I'm sorry, it was 1652. I was close. <laughs> but he's only a 10th grader when you look at it. And he's got another two years. He's only going to get better. Uh, and here he is finishing 13th against all of these seniors and, and juniors that are involved in this. So, yeah, that's, I mean, like, be glad you weren't home, though, for real, because you'd have probably had sat there with your chair and watched it. <laughs> But I mean, <laughs> that's, run right by that's exciting, man. I mean, it is because you're right. Every Lakeland team was in that thing just about. And I mean, you when you bring teams from like Stratford, and one thing about Stratford and those Charleston teams, they got an advantage on some because they actually run across the Cooper River Bridge a lot, mm-hmm. just for fun. So that that's actual cross country when you're going over, you know, the Atlantic Ocean and stuff like that out there, like they do in Charleston. But Stratford is very pot, uh, one of the bigger teams in in the Charleston area. Towards that goes hand cross country track and field. So uh, congrats to all the guys and that the young man that's, that's got those times. There, you're right. Two more years still there, so they're gonna get better. They're only gonna get faster <laughs> as they come yep. along. 
Um, and before we get into football, I want to make mention that the uh, uh, Emerald Vikings volleyball team, they ended up uh, beating Clinton High um, this past week, Thursday, uh, I do believe. Uh, Demarius Jordan ended up leading the team, had 20 kills, three aces, and six blocks as the Emerald won the first set 25-20. to They lost the second 19-25, to but then took the last two 25-13, 25-17 for the big win there. And in uh, swimming-wise, they had a big meet uh, that happened over there Thursday night, I do believe is when it happened. But um, Emerald's girls end up winning first place overall. Uh, Greenwood girls ended up in third spot. Uh, Cambridge Academy swim team was fourth. And Palmetto Christian uh, ended up in the fifth spot uh, and, you know, and this was a seven-team effort to go along with all that. So congrats to those guys. Um, Paige Norland, who I am, I was high on her as an eight-year-old way <laughs> back when, but she's dynamite right now. She ended up winning the 50 free and the 100 freestyle. Hannah Sosby, uh, third in the 500 free and third in the 100 breaststroke, and still Trenton was second in the 100 back for Emerald to go along with that. And then the other thing I've got is golf-wise for uh, Emerald, uh, uh, the girls' varsity golf team, they defeated Crescent by a final score 210 to 212. Casey Coates had the low score overall. She shot a 44. She's solid. So, man. She's, she's right on the street for me, too, by the way. <laughs> her granddad keeps her um, jumping. So, and well, she's, right. she's out there playing golf with yeah, you guys. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, here are the scores that happened on Friday night in case you missed them. Uh, week five of the Lakelands. Lawrence ends up losing to T.L. Hanna 48-6. We'll get into that game. Uh, Emerald fell to Crescent 28-12. It was Saluda 27, Gilbert 49 in a game that ended up getting called in the, early in the fourth. 96 picks up a big homecoming win over Pillion 40-7. It was Calhoun Falls 12, West Oak 56. McCormick loses to Christ Church 14-60. Ware Shoals and Dixie, our game of the week. The Hornets end up winning this one 16-14. to We're talking about the green ones there. And then Greenwood Christian, they went down to Thomas Sumter, and it was just uh, the Hawks show, 43-13 to being the final to go along with that. So uh, there's your scores from around uh, the Lakelands that go along with it. Let's start with the game of the week. Uh, Dixie, they end up coming back in the very <laughs> final seconds with 17 seconds left. They ended up kicking a 26-yard field goal for the 16-14 win on this one and this was a lot of fun this was a defensive battle all the way around this this is a kicker maybe Dabo ought to be calling and saying <laughs> he stole my thunder early? <laughs> he stole my thunder can you graduate early <laughs> he's close to them hills up there that's a big win that's a big win for Dixon that's a big win for what for Dixon uh, Coach Dobbins ball, you know you hate it for the West Shows kids to have led for that long or to be in the game for that long and then all of a sudden see it go away with just a little 17-yard field goal. <laughs> but yeah. as we all know, those are, as Chris says, those kickers have got a mind of their own. So, uh, <laughs> Actually, mental case is best. Yeah, <laughs> we're sure did real well, though. I mean, Justice yeah. Lomax had a blocked extra point to go along with uh, a huge night on top of all that for him. He was a key piece. He had um, – 131 yards total, the extra block point we mentioned. He had a fumble recovery on the night, uh, all of that. So, you know, where Shoals just kind of struck themselves in the foot, too. I mean, they made some mistakes, had a bunch of turnovers uh, in the process of all that. Um, uh, my understanding, they had a, a huge number of penalties, over 100 yards in penalties to go along with that. So things like that start adding up after a while. And I know Christopher Dodd was just, or Dodson was just kind of kicking himself beside, like, we try. We we give the best effort we can, but sometimes you know, mental mistakes. You got to be able to overcome them. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's correctable, but when they come at inopportune times, there's nothing you can really do. You just got to overcome those mistakes. And I, I would imagine a lot of them probably were offsides or false starts or just stuff like yeah. that. I mean, it's not until you have the personal fouls and the face masks and yanking helmets off and stuff like that, you got to worry about it. But, uh, yeah, that, you know, that's a big win for Coach Sorrow. So, I mean, it, we'll see where they go from there. Probably up. Where shoals will go up. But sooner, like I said, sooner or later, the, the Christ churches and the St. Joe's and the Southside Christians are coming. I did see where uh, one of the two beat one of the other ones. I think it was Southside Christian beat St. Joe's this past mm-hmm. weekend. It did. So, I mean, big, big win there. I mean, for for Dixie, you can't take it away from them. Yeah, Tay Donald had a huge night, eight rushes for 45 yards. Jade Martin uh, um, had two rushes, no yards in that one. But Brandon Nance, 13 for 67. And Straylon Johnson, eight for 27 to go along with that. But Lomax, though, 20 carries, 131 yards. Just another phenomenal. That's why they call him Justice. And what's happened. So a big win for them. Uh, as of uh, now, we'll talk about this game on Thursday, where Scholl's going to be at McCormick taking on the Chiefs Friday night. And, of course, the uh, Crusaders of Southside Christian make their way in, and they'll take on Dixie at Dixie to go along with that. And that's, uh, that should be a fun game to see yeah. what happens. Um, That'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm curious if, if – because Abbeville gave Southside Christian all they could handle. Um, and South, or I said the other way around, Southside Christian gave Abbeville all they can handle. Can Dixie be able to put up that same effort? This is a, well. They're gonna. I mean, like I said, they're not gonna give up. I mean, like I said, this is a. These are the ones you really would rather see Southside, St. Joe's, and Christchurch play just in two A football and stuff. Anyway, that's where they deserve to play, or that's where they need to play. But um, all in all, they gotta be ready to play football. Mark Smith. I mean, uh, Star is gonna have them ready. Uh, so should be ready to play football. And there you go, cut down on some of the mistakes and and. You got to play a perfect game, Stan. Yeah, you know that. Well, I don't. No turnovers, no you know penalties to beat a team like Southside. You're gonna have to play your best game. Southside might be a little bit down this year too, so this might be a chance for Coach Sarter with the right game plan. And like you say, you don't turn the ball over. You don't have the the stupid penalties, if you want to call them that, (laughs) where you line up improper or you jump offside. You you know what snap is, guys. Watch the ball. Yeah. I mean, uh, like you, that's all correctable stuff. Get it corrected this week. Go in there and get a win. All right. You're at home. Well, Saluda, they uh, went down to take on the Gilbert Indians uh, down there in Lexington County, and things were going well. I mean, they, they ended I thought, you know, it was kind of a back and forth until halftime, and then all of a sudden – Gilbert runs off 28 unanswered in the process of all this in the fourth quarter. The officials finally have had enough of the jawing and stuff that was going on. Um, and we're not sure exactly what happened, so you could speculate. And you know the rumors as much as we do uh, that have been happening down there as far as it getting chippy with the players and, and things of that nature. Uh, but the officials basically came and said, you know, that's it. We're done. Um we're going to call this game. Uh, this is how it's going to end. 49-27 being the final in favor of the Gilbert Indians in this one. But, um, you know, the the Tigers, uh, for the most part, hung with them for the first half. It was, uh, you know, kind of a telling moment, I guess, there in the third uh, when they had to – when Gilbert got a chance to redo a kick um, is when things really got started getting chippy. It's probably just, like you said, it's all – circumstance so you hear the rumors and stuff on what happened but i mean we won't know until maybe you hear coach young Stuart young come out with it and um I, and i know you but see that's the thing you know gilbert's got a really good football coach up there 
And uh, matter of fact, he's actually going to be the Shrine Bowl coach this year, I think. Isn't it Leah Park? That's the Shrine Bowl guy. Yeah, he's one of the assistants. Assistants. So, I mean, he's been there a long time doing their thing. I've been to Gilbert and watched a lot of games, and, I mean, they're, they're an impressive offense, really good defense. And you just don't know what happens. I mean, it's somewhat of a rivalry game because you are well, in election. I, I'm sorry, but, you know, for an official to stop a ball game, if I'm the coach, I'm blaming that on the official. If he comes up and says, we've had enough of it, we can't control it. No, you can't control it. You're the official on the field. If they join and you've done ask them not to or you've thrown a penalty on them one time, walk over there and say, go find the dressing room. I don't mean the bench. I mean the dressing room. And you start sending kids off the field, and either the coach is going to take charge and, t- and start pulling out the athletic tape and taping mouths shut, <laughs> or people are going to start keeping their mouth shut and playing the game, and it don't matter what they say about your mama. I mean, the officials, I blame the officials on that because you can stop it. I don't care. If you have to take five from one team and eight from another team and put them in the dressing room, you put them in the dressing room and play the game. That's what you're there for. You're there to protect the kids. That's why we have rules to protect the kids. If you can't do your job, then you don't need to be doing it. And I know it's tough for an official to walk over there and kick a game out of a kick a kid out of a high school game. But I feel sure before they would have done that, he would have probably been warned one time, and then he would have probably had a flag unsportsmanlike one time. The third time, get Hit out of here. Showers. Yeah. I just Like I said, I, I don't know what officials know. are being told. I, I don't know what happened. It don't matter what's being told. But it was, the thing it is, though. Back-to-back-to-back to back personal fouls is what ended right. up happening, yeah. and that's when it just – But yeah. it also goes to – to to the, we don't want to call it violence, but when you got fans and, and I, we don't know, I wasn't there. I have no yeah. idea what caused this. Yeah. I don't know if, if dads were in the stands threatening people, and we don't know that. So I can't blame it on an official. I agree with Stan. You can take control, and it, yeah. at that point in time, I think that's what they did. They probably went to both coaches and said, "We're done with this stuff, man." And the coaches, you evidently aren't going to take, you know, three straight personal fouls. He's still in the game. You're not going to take him out. We're not going to deal with it. And that may be what happened. I don't know. I wasn't there, but I mean, Sam's right. I mean, they they do have ultimate control. But I think it's also the fact that we've seen so many fights that have broken out where you've had actual actual gunshots in bigger cities, and I think that's what they're not wanting to happen here. We had it in Columbia. Some no, not Sumter. I don't think Sumter was when we were in Tyrone, Georgia. It was one one of the upstate. I mean, one of the Midlands teams that had a a shooting or or our potential shooting and stuff. And I think that's where we're getting at. You almost gonna need an official that's also a cop. <laughs> so I, I don't know, but like I said, until we know all the the truths and all, but I'm sure Coach Young wasn't happy about it. You know, Coach Leaport probably not happy either. But these two teams, I mean. It's a rivalry game. It is. It is. And, and, and both coaches have got to do a better job talking to their players, getting their players to keep their emotions in check. If they can't, then the officials have got to do it for them. And you may kick the best player on the team out out the stadium, but you walk over to the coach and say, Coach, he deserved it. The coach knows he deserves to be off the field. Coach isn't stupid. He saw it. <laughs> Let's go. But anyway, I'm not getting on that. All right, so Salute ends up losing that one, as they called it, uh, just shortly into the fourth quarter. Emerald, we really thought that they had a chance at winning this against Crescent, and and 
you know, I listened to the first half on the radio. Those guys did a fantastic job. I appreciate the effort that they're giving uh, and, and what's going on there. But 28-12 was the final. At, at halftime when I left, it was 14-6. to During that second quarter, Emerald had a uh, uh, fake punt that ended up converting on in the process of all of that, that it led them uh, a little further down. They didn't score on that possession, but it led them a little further down and able to flip the field on all of that. But this was a tale of two halves, much like you said uh, with some of the other games that we've talked about. And with Crescent, though, it's it's hard to, to... go up against a guy who throws for 139 yards. He was 14 of 18 in passing, that being uh, Dalen Dale out of Crescent. He had a running back and Demarius Latimer, um, who rushed for 146 yards, two TDs, 14 attempts on that one. He also caught three passes for 10 yards in the process of all that. Um, but the Viking defense, I thought for the most part, was doing a great job against Crescent. It's just that Crescent ended up as big as they were wearing you down in the second half. Another great effort, uh, but yeah. you know, like I said, it's you know we'll get to see Coach tonight, and and you know he'll have that smile even though he's gonna probably put him through the ringer this afternoon or doing it as of now. But um, like I said, and that's you know it, it seems like every week that's what it takes to beat Emerald. A quarterback that's almost Spencer Rattler, Bo Nix like perfect on the night. Running back goes for one fifty. Emerald's got it in hand at halftime, and then somehow it slips away and. You're going to eventually win these games, Coach. I mean, you just keep playing hard. Your coaches are out there doing it. I love the fact that they're trying to find ways to score, like you say, with a fake punt and, and things like that. They're, they're, they're working their butts off to get a win, and they're, they're going to get one sooner or later. All right. Um, another game that took place it was the Hawks of Greenwood Christian. And I told you guys this was going to get ugly. We knew, ugly. We, knew this gonna, we knew this one was going to get ugly quick. Yeah, so. 43 14, excuse me, 43-13 the final in this one. Uh, Thomas Sumpler remains winless uh, in that regard. But two touchdowns for Cade Henton. He threw to uh, Owen Winnington again. Ended up with a touchdown pass. Caleb McCall had a touchdown pass. Um, yeah. I mean, this the defense was spot on the entire night. I don't think Thomas Sumter. I think if I if I read the stats that they sent me correctly, they had four first downs total. Wow! In this one, and I don't think they got over ninety yards in total offense. So the, so the Hawks, they playing. I'm telling you, they're yeah. playing. To go along with it. But Hawks go on the road. They get uh, another long travel, uh, not quite as far as they were down to Downsell, but they get to go to Colton County this coming Friday night, 7.30. It'll be kickoff for them. Call it a prep. Yep. That's a good little two-and-a-half-hour ride. Should be fun. So, <laughs> well, all right, let me ask you all a question real quick because Sam was out of town and everything. What high school game surprised you score-wise the most? Because I can tell you right off the bat, I can tell you, it was South H even beating Clinton. That to me, that's the biggest right, surprise. You, you told me, did I see it? And I, I said, yeah, like, you saw it. You know, they were. I, when I saw it, I was like, "There's no way," because Aiken and Southside, unless they could just combine the team real fast, neither one of them teams could beat anybody. And then it's like, got to be that quarterback. You know, that we played against what last year, mm-hmm. uh, down at Smith, I think it's his name. But when I saw that score, that one surprised me over any other score I saw. And I was in Low Country, and so I got to see a lot of those. But that's a stunning loss for Coach Fountain. That's a stunning loss, and I mean, I, that's two, all you can two, say about two it. Two losses in a row yeah. now. You lost to, to Chapman and then turn around and lose this one to South Aiken. I might have a question from Coach tonight when we see him. <laughs> if he talked to his buddy. 
<laughs> he may have. He may have. Oh, he'll tell. He'll tell us. Um, just kind of to hit on a couple others. Uh, Christchurch number four in one A just basically had their way, sixty to fourteen over McCormick in this one, and then uh, Calhoun Falls they fall in a non-region game against three A Westside um, or West Oak. I'm sorry, in this one, fifty-six to twelve being the final in that one uh, to go along with it, and then ninety-six homecoming uh, they take on Pillion in this one. And Zay King goes off uh, 153 yards on 19 carries, three touchdowns to go along with that. Uh, had three first-half sacks, according to the Index Journal, while he was there on defense uh, in the process as well. Uh, and the Wildcats, 447 yards on offense. They had two first downs, 30 yards of total offense uh, that they allowed um, in the process. And this was a 14-7 score at halftime, and then all of a sudden the second half it was just all Wildcat in that regard. Again, our final in that one, guys, uh, ended up being 40-7, to seven, the mm. total domination. They're not a yeah. bad billion team. Yeah. They're not yeah. that bad a football team. Gabe Hackett, uh, 67 <laughs> yards rushing. Brian Witherspoon had 62. Davis had 61. Um, and then 96, when you look at it, they got Blacksburg to start region play. And, and this region is a lot tougher than we thought it was going to be, guys. When, when you look at where this region is right now, and then let me see if I can pull it up. I think I've, I've got it here somewhere. Um, when you look at, at the region that 96 is in, yeah, you've got Abbeville that's in there. Um, but, you know, Abbeville, uh, along with Liberty, Landrum, and 96 are all 4 and 1. Chesney is three and two. Blacksburg is three and two. Neither of the any of these teams have a losing record going in here, and all of them, as of right now, um, uh, as far as points goes, there isn't anybody that has under 130 points so far on the season. It's gonna be fun, isn't it? It's gonna be fun, <laughs> especially yeah. that region. Yep. Yep. So we'll see. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're gonna see which team comes up and can play defense against each other. Yeah. Which has Defense will win this conference. I'm looking forward to finding out. <laughs> Everybody's going to expect it's going to be a happy moment, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see, see how it turns out. All right. And that's a look at our high school games from last Friday night. Should be an interesting one as we continue on next week and see what ends up happening, guys. Yep. Can't wait. Going to be fun. Remember, touchdown club tonight. What's the menu? Yep. What's the menu? Uh, Riley didn't send it to me. Today. Uh, I'm going to fuss it. Right. Yeah. Well, he's probably still crying in his beer because Clemson Oof. got beat. Yeah, but so. Tim Bure going to be the uh, guest, speaker, guest speaker, so we'll have some great stories about Tigertown. Tim was also wasn't he at Notre Dame for a while or no? He graduated. From he's Notre a graduate. Dame. Okay, uh, he'll have plenty of stories. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, that's Dan Spivey, the coach. I'm Tom Carroll, Chris Cox. We are the Lakeland Sports Guys. Have a great week.